This is a content that is not suitable for kids like I, me. I was both horrified and curious, so I looked it up. <laughs> that sums up our entire podcast, kind actually. Of, yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Crime Crazy, the weekly true crime podcast with Erin Pline and Diana Seacon, where we prove that we know nothing about our legal system, but we're still crazy for a good true crime story. Hey, Diana. Hey, Erin. Do you want to tell everybody what time it is? It is 11.07 p.m. And we do have work in several hours. Several. Several. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been bullied into going into the office. So I'm I believe I gently suggested that you should. I think it was actually Kingsbury's fault because mm. it was the second one in the span of a couple of minutes to say, are you going to be in the office tomorrow in like a, I'll get to see you kind of way. And I was like, uh, maybe at which point chance was like, that didn't even last two seconds. You can't disappoint them. Right. I was like, mm, Okay. <laughs> I'll go because I get to hang out with awesome people because like every single human we work with is amazing it is ridiculous all right we're getting down to business because it is 11 p.m and I've already turned into a pumpkin many hours ago mm-hmm. Diana did you learn anything this week I did I actually got an update on a previous story from <gasps> loyal listener Dave so that's like one of my favorite things ever by the way is updates on previous stories we need to do better with <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's not it's not necessarily an update. It's actually stuff I just didn't know about it. Oh, okay. Still so we, awesome. Right. So we talked a couple weeks ago about the first class lounge of the Britannic that had been removed. Yes. Um, so I didn't know this. It's funny how you know somebody so well and for so long, and then they pop up with these facts like, yeah, I looked into it because I was curious. And I'm like, I just fucking never knew that, that you knew that. So um, Dave actually texted me today and said he was listening to that episode and sent me some additional fun facts about the Britannic. Awesome. Right? So apparently the Britannic was originally named the Gigantic. Okay. (laughs) But after Mm -hmm. the Titanic sank, they changed the name so it didn't sound like they were arrogant in light of the Titanic disaster. Right. He also mentioned that the Britannic's innards were taken out prior to her being renovated as a hospital ship during World War One. Mm. So um, that's partially how that first Kellas lounge was was taken out, and is right. now the restaurant. Right. But apparently, a bunch of the other uh, pieces are mm. still in private homes in England. It was sold oh, off in, cool. in private homes. Uh, and then I didn't look into this. I didn't have time today, but uh, I may have to look into this for future facts. He said that there are also theories that the Titanic and the Olympic were swapped to defraud the insurance company. So that I have heard. Really? Maybe conspiracy level rumor kind of thing. I don't don't know if it's true or not, but I have heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. I I had not. That was super interesting. So that's what I learned this week. Cool. Yeah. I like it. I do too. Thanks, Dave. Yes. That's awesome. Also, it's great when other people do our research, so... Keep that coming. Right. Double thanks. Right? <laughs> like my whole story for today pretty much actually was done research by someone else. Awesome. Um, so did you learn anything this week? I did. I So mine is a little different. It's more that I, I guess 
that I kind of knew, but now it's been confirmed. So um, I received an email from Sophia's mother, because apparently that's like what we're going to talk about every single episode, mm-hmm. who is supposed to or has been believing and telling everyone she's getting out in January. Okay. Calculate all of her time, blah, blah, blah. Some of it's concurrent, some of it's consecutive, some of it's whatever. There's good time. You only serve 80%. She gets credit for this and that. Um, when she got her last update, it still says May. Oh. And I said, so wait a second. Like, they're just going to keep you for another four months? Like, this bothers me on multiple levels. On the one hand, it's not nice to tell someone they're going home in January, and then you're like, mm, you have to stay in prison till May. Rude. On the other hand, like as a taxpayer, that's a ton of money if it's like a clerical error that right. we're going to then keep her and because that's expensive. Yeah. So, um, so she she was like, "Oh, you're so sweet," because I was mad. <laughs> um, and she said that it really depends on so many things. So her crimes took place in different counties. And some of them, some of the things that she's serving time for now is she had been arrested, she served some time, and then was like let out, and but with this time hanging over her head. So mm-hmm. then, you know, like um, probation, parole. I don't know why I can't get that straight right now. <laughs> um, it and is 1116. It is. That's why I can't get it straight. Um, and so some of that got taken away, like when she then violated whatever the terms of her release were. Um, but also, different counties and jurisdictions can calculate time differently, and they can give credit and take credit for different things. So she said um, when she was in one of the jails, she worked at the laundry, and she didn't get paid for it. That was like just what she did with her time. She was mm-hmm. asked to do it, and she did. And so that should earn her some good time and some time off. Sure. But they get to determine how that's applied, where it's applied, if it's coming off of, like if she's doing two um, two sentences concurrently, mm-hmm. like does it come off one or both? Oh. Um, and then... Sounds like they need a multidimensional data modeling and planning tool. Right? Um, she said also, like one time she went to go take her medication, and you have to take your ID. She forgot to bring her ID, so mm. she got a ticket. So that can cause uh, you to stay in prison longer. Um, and really? Yes. God damn it. Come you, on. You also, which this was something I learned a long time ago, but in Virginia at least, when you go... So when you're in jail, you serve whatever percentage of time you have been sentenced to. So like if I was sentenced to a year, I might serve nine or 10 months. Mm -hmm. When you go to prison, you automatically are credited time for being in prison. So like it, it cuts a chunk off of your sentence just because you walked through the doors of the prison. So she gets some credit for that. It's like the opposite of new car depreciation. It's very, it's all very, very strange. One of the things that she had told me originally is that, I mean, it, I assume this applies other places that states do things relatively the same, but at least in Virginia, if you're sentenced to whatever amount of time, you only serve 80% unless you get in more trouble while you're there. Mm-hmm. So you're automatically, so if I say, you have to serve 10 years because you murdered someone. You will not serve more than eight. Wow. Right? Unless I'm a pain in the ass in prison. Unless, yeah, you do other other bad things. Hmm. And since Virginia took away, they no longer release anyone early, like on, on pro- probation. Probation. Why can't I get that right? But that's what I learned. Interesting. 
is that it is even more confusing and awful. And I mean, it is it is September. It's almost October. And she may not know for another month or more whether she's going home in a number of weeks or a number of months. Wow. She's very cool with it, though. She said she sort of feels like she's at this place in her life where she has been able to go through all of it and so she can she can do it well that's good yeah it's a great attitude it's a really good attitude because yeah she should be going home in january i I couldn't like that would be so demoralizing to me that i that would be worse than the initial sentence or the first time i went like oh my gosh to have that snatched away at the last second so that's what I learned. The thing that I wanted to learn will come when we get to my story, but it's going to be my I know nothing about because I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't find the answer. So excellent. So yeah. So do you have a story for us? I do. I'm excited about this story. I hear it is short but funny. Short but interesting. Yeah, e all of the above. Okay. Liam was also very excited about it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I have to, I have a question for you. I have an answer for you. Let's see if they match. What is your favorite way to eat an avocado? <gasps> Sliced with ham, like like lunch meat ham, like wrapped up in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a pretty good way. Because it's like salty and creamy and mm. a little bit sweet, and like now I really want to eat that because I did not eat dinner at dinner tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bummer. What on earth does that have to do with your story? <laughs> so this is like a millennial story. It's going to be about avocado toast. Why the millennials can't do the right things. <laughs> I love it. So as you may know, demand for avocados around the world has skyrocketed in the last few years. Because they're fucking amazing. Right. Um, actually, that was the next sentence. As everyone discovers just how damn delicious they are. (laughs) (laughs) We might be spending too much time together. Perhaps. Uh, In the U.S., per capita avocado consumption went from 1.1 pounds in 1989. Per person? Per year per person. 1.1 pounds of avocado per year per Per person. Per year per person. In 1989. How many avocados do you think that is? And does that include the pits? I don't know. And the the peel, because you don't eat that part. No. And the pits vary a lot. I think there might also be cyanide in there, so you shouldn't eat them. No, you shouldn't give them to dogs, because they splinter and choke. I learned some shit about cyanide today. I might have to bring that up next week. Ooh. Um, So anyway... In the U.S., per capita, 1.1 pounds in 1989, up to 7 pounds in 2014. Per American, per year, 7 pounds of avocado. Yeah, but I eat like 18 times that so that some people don't have to eat them. Right. I do my part. Take the take it for the team. Absolutely. If anyone would like to donate avocados, yeah. you, can you can mail them, them to, to Crime you. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> The United States is the third largest producer of avocados in the world after Mexico and Brazil. Yes, but there are good avocados and there are not good avocados like kinds. And I think that California does the like big green. Yeah, they do the Haas. Yeah, they're gross. So that shouldn't count. Well, they don't taste like avocados, but we're, we're going to go with it for now. Okay. <laughs> so Mission Produce in Oxnard, California. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys, but your avocados suck. 
<laughs> is the world's leader in producing, distributing, and marketing fresh Haas avocados. That is from their website. I do not know if it's true. Uh, so they were founded in 1983, and they have grown to be a global company with operations in the U.S., Mexico, Peru, Chile, New Zealand, Canada, and the Netherlands. I was one when they were founded. It was eight. Because hmm? you're seven years older than me, you'll always... I know, but I always <laughs> have to do the math. <laughs> <laughs> it was much easier with Jordan because we're exactly 10 years apart. You just like... That is easier. It's way easy. That is easier. Oh, my. So I, I would be willing to bet that Mission Produce is doing pretty well financially. Um, an article that I read from late last year said that avocado prices have increased more than 40% in mm. the first three months of 2017 alone. Uh, yeah, but there was like some sort of avocado disaster, wasn't there? I don't know if there was so much a disaster or if there was just an overall shortage because of all of the millennials. Hmm. I thought there was like a drought or some weirdness. Yeah. I, one of the things I did read talked about, not necessarily mission produce in general, or in particular, but avocado growers in general, that if they're in the right climate, like Mexico, Brazil, you know, kind of those Central South American right. areas... Um, they can grow two seasons or two yeah. crops, I guess, per year. Right. But if they're not careful about crop rotation and fertilizer and all that, the second batch is shit uh, gotcha. because the soil is depleted. So I don't know if maybe they hadn't figured it out or if there was a disaster. Like, I'm just Something, not, not sure. Right. Oranges are like that too, two crops a year. In well, oranges are like delicate, aren't they? Like Maybe. Yeah. I think they... They love Florida. They're not very hardy. Anywho. So here's something I learned. Um, like bananas, avocados are a climacteric fruit. What does that mean? It means that they mature on the tree, but they don't ripen until they are off the tree. Ooh, which is probably why... Am I... That you you have to stick a banana in a bag with your unripe avocado if you want guacamole. And you put them both in a paper bag so that that gas that the banana is releasing yeah. is right. But if they both need that off the tree, that would make sense. That would make sense. But you can do the banana trick with any kind of fruit. Well, right. Yeah. Right. But yeah, so that's that's why. Um, I also secretly think that is why, like, when you buy an avocado, your weak centers around that avocado. Because yes. the minute it is ripe, you have to use it or it's going to be mushed three seconds later. <laughs> Do you know how to tell in the grocery store which avocados are perfect? You nope. pop their little stems off. Really? And if they come off easily and they're brown, perfectly ripe. Huh. If they come off and they're like black or gray, then it's overly ripe. And if it's green, they're not ripe yet. Hmm. So you don't have to like squeeze it and all that. You just pop a little stem off. I did not know that. I actually just squeezed them. So the problem with the popping the stem off trick is that if everybody knows that trick, the stems are popped off by the time you get there. And right. how would you know? I have learned from an avocado loving friend that Aldi almost always has ripe avocados. Really? Yeah. Wonder why. I don't know. But apparently if you need an avocado that day, that Aldi. is your best bet. Um, so this this climacteric nature of the fruit is why Mission Produce has a ripening facility on Daffy Road, uh, east of Oxnard in California. Up until early... Are we going to find a body there? I think we should find a body there. Um, 
Up until early last year, customers of Mission Produce would pick their avocado orders up at the ripening facility. But the distribution function stopped doing that. They started actually delivering the plat, uh, delivering the pallets of avocados to the customers instead of having them come pick it up. So we're talking customers like grocery stores, not like I want an avocado. No, like Bulk. case or gotcha. pallet quantity. Okay. Which I'm surprised, having worked in the grocery industry, that people went for that for so long. Right. Most Maybe they had smaller customers when they were doing that and then they well they are the largest grower producer distributor or maybe it was just the local stores and they shipped elsewhere like i don't know right but they they stopped having customers pick avocados up at the ripening facility but not everybody got that particular memo okay and that's when carlos chavez raheem leblanc and joseph valenzuela saw an opportunity Okay. Figuring correctly, as it turns out, that some customers would continue to come to the ripening facility to pick up their avocados, Chavez, LeBlanc, and Valenzuela started skimming avocados from the facility and selling them to customers for cash at a discount at the ripening facility. Mm Mm-hmm. That's clever. uh Uh-huh. At that time, a case of avocados had a wholesale price of about 50 bucks. And these three were selling those cases for about twenty to thirty dollars a case. Okay, nice discount. Also, I want a case of avocados for twenty to thirty dollars. Right, I would eat the shit out of that. Right, although you'd have to eat them all at once. Otherwise, but you could they'd throw be... like a killer avocado party. Oh my god, guacamole for days! Can we not have cilantro? Can we have one of each? If you eat the cilantro in another room, I can do that. Okay, yeah. So the customers had no idea. They were at the ripening facility. They thought they were buying from Mission Produce. These were actual employees. Yeah. They'd worked there for a while. They were thrilled to get a discount. Right. Like this all seemed perfectly legit. Sure. This went on for about six months. (laughs) And the trio is estimated to have stolen about (gasps) $300,000 wholesale. Oh my God. Of avocados. Oh my god! So let's <laughs> let's do some math. I'm re- oh my story involves math. She yes, tells me I did math, and I was delighted today. So Mission Produce estimates that they lost about three hundred thousand dollars worth of av- avocados, and that's wholesale value. And at that time, a case of avocados was going for about fifty bucks. Okay, so that means that's about six thousand cases of stolen avocados over six months. Over six months. Okay. They were selling the avocados for 20 to $30 per case. Yeah. So these assholes netted between $120,000 and $180,000 in six months. Wow. So if they were splitting all of the proceeds equally and right. had steady sales over time, they would have each been earning between $6,000 and $10,000 per month. Holy shit. From this scheme. So this is where I should tell our audience that crime doesn't pay. Yeah. And that you should stay in school and get a nice corporate job. Yeah. But I've done all those things. And not ever made. that's, That's a lot of money. 
It's a lot of money. As long as you never get caught. And we are learning about the story, so that's not how it went down. Right. So this gig didn't last for very long. (laughs) (laughs) Other employees started noticing that the inventory was missing. The bookkeepers A lot of inventory was missing. A lot of inventory. And the bookkeepers started noticing that they were missing some money. Oh, right. So let's do some more math. There are an average of 22 working days in a month. Okay. In six months, that's about 132 work days. Okay. This means that they were stealing 45 and a half cases of avocados per day, or about 15 cases each per day, which is more than one per hour. That's almost two per hour. So we're, do we know how they were doing it? Just skimming off the top. That is really impressive. That's like, I guess if you're the largest supplier of avocados, then maybe that's not like percentage wise all that much, but still it's just a, a lot of physical avocado-ness. Well, right. So if you think back to Office Space, the fine movie of the 90s, um, <laughs> when they talk about taking that, you know, fraction of a fraction, penny, a fraction of a fraction of a penny and how, you know, how that ended up adding up, this is each of them skimming two cases of avocado per day unless it was a seven day a week facility in which case that's 182 working days in six months which brings it down to 32.8 cases per day total or 11 cases per person per day (laughs) she just came up with all that it's not even written in her notes it's totally written. she was like i just know these things i used excel So my question is, how the hell did they get their actual jobs done? Yeah. (laughs) If I were spending all that time stealing avocados, I would not be able to do my job. Yeah. How how did no one... I mean, I guess I don't know the structure of the avocado ripening business, but how, how did nobody not... How did nobody see this happening? It's a lot of avocados. It is a lot of avocados. Because like, I was thinking when I was... Many cubic feet of avocado. Right. Well, and when I was doing the math, I expected it... Because my math skills are poor. I actually used Excel for this. <laughs> Excel's awesome that way. Right. It maths for me. Like, it knows what it's doing. Um, because I was thinking, oh, if it's like a case a week or something. No, right. This is... Cases a day. A case is an hour. Yeah. I mean, this is a lot. Yeah. And then, like, where do you put him? Where, like, right. There's just so many logistical questions that were not answered. <laughs> we need schematics of the bill. All right. So if you work in California, near or at the avocado place, we need schematics of the building. Well, and I saw We need to know how big a crate is, how many avocados are in the crate. Right. Uh, that actually, how many crates on a pallet? Th- those things I might actually be able to know. Oh, um, that's I, way too much work. I saw a picture of what they call the ripening facility. And I don't know if it was like the front office of the ripening facility or if it was the whole thing. Yeah. It looks like an old school, like three really? story brick. It looks like the school my great grandpa was the principal of. <laughs> like, huh. I was picturing just a giant warehouse barn. Right. No, exactly. And maybe this was just the, like, maybe it was the office building of this, not the docks yeah. and, all, and all of that. I would assume that it would have to be a much larger operation. But that was the first thing I thought. I was like, that looks like the school in Cannington where my grandpa died. <laughs> 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 
In May of 2017, Oxnard police received a tip that Mission Produce employees were conducting unauthorized cash sales of avocados from the ripening facility. Hmm. Detectives obtained evidence that supported these claims, including mm-hmm. video footage of the three selling the company's avocados on the company's surveillance video. Yeah, guys, come on. They got warrants. They did some searches. They recovered. They found tons of avocados. No avocados, but they did find $143,000 in cash. Oh, my God. In a safe at Chavez's house. Nice. They were arrested. Yeah. On June 14th, 2017. Isn't that flag day? On what? June 14th? Perhaps. No, that's July 14th, I think. Whatever. June 14th. I don't know. They were each charged with grand theft of fruit and were held in jail on bail of $250,000 each. Wow. Right? It's more than they made during those six months. Yes. How are they going to afford that? Right. Uh, Chavez and Valenz- Valenzuela were able to post bail within a couple of days, but LeBlanc remained in jail for several weeks. Aww. His bail was eventually lowered so that he could be released pending the prosecutor's decision on whether or not to go forward with the case. Yeah, again, discount bail. Right. Is oh, that you that can't works? pay that? Well, we really don't want to house you, so, like, whatever. Well, so we'll get to this in a minute, but I think there might be more to that, but I wasn't able to find any details. We know nothing about how bail works. We know nothing about how bail works, but also, uh, give me a second, because I think it's going to be more obvious about why we don't know much about this. Okay. Uh, So Chavez and Valenzuela, the ones that ponied up the bail, they entered guilty pleas to felony grand theft and conspiracy and admitted special allegation for taking over $200,000 worth of avocados. They were each sentenced to two years in county jail and 18 months of probation. As part of his guilty plea, Chavez also agreed to forfeit the $143,000 found in his home safe for victim restitution. Raheem LeBlanc, however, pleaded not guilty, Mm. and his case was dismissed in October of last year. Prosecutors told the judge that they were dropping the case due to insufficient evidence. And the judge then dismissed all charges against LeBlanc for in the interest of justice. So he wasn't on the tape or he couldn't be identified and they didn't give him up and he said he didn't do it. And so it's not worth our time. Well, right. Plus and the were, money got returned. Plus a lot of the money. And it must have been a good chunk of it because at $30 a case, they were, you know, they were maxing out at like 180. They had 143. Like right. they were being relatively conservative with their earnings. Well, right. But also if they didn't have any sort of laundering plan, that would potentially be a hard thing to... Yeah, that's true. Especially if your plan is to continue. I assume their plan was to continue. It was a really good gig. It, it's, <laughs> so. No, it seems like they, they were planning to continue. So, yeah, um, it was interesting because I found a, f- a few stories about the sentencing of the first two. Um, mm-hmm. You know, quite a lot of stories around the time of the arrest because, you know, it was a big deal. And apparently avocado theft, like, is a big fucking deal right now well i mean but, don't mess with my avocados except i don't really care about those right but apparently most people steal them off the trees and it's yes. like untraceable it's kind of the perfect crime but these guys were yeah. a little bit innovative with it so it seemed to be that the difference was the first two pleaded guilty and they were like yep we did it we'll take the jail time we'll do the thing uh raheem pleaded not guilty 
Right. So they had to go through with the investigation, with the right. with all of that. So right. I don't know if he wasn't on the tape, if he like didn't have any of the money, if he was just an accessory or what. But they figured, even though the other two pleaded guilty, they were, you know, they were all working together. He got off. Right. But yeah, I mean, because it was going to be a lot more work and time and expense and they'd already gotten anything they could have hoped for. I mean, they could have then put him in jail and right but i mean even just from a an expense point of view like that's spending more money like you right. know no the cost benefit doesn't work out for that but no. i wonder what it was um and even like finding that he had pleaded and the information about like the reduced bail and stuff mm-hmm. it wasn't on like a real news story anywhere i found that on facebook Oh, <laughs> it was like the one of the local news stations posted a Facebook update. Right. About it. And that was it. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I think it's the first time I've gotten any news bits off of, off of Facebook. For the show. <laughs> I wonder if uh, his two buddies were like, well, God damn it. We should have pled not guilty. Well, or was there some sort of plea that happened? Like, it just there's just yeah. so little information about it. So that's what I know. Avocado theft. A big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? But apparently super easy. Right. Until you get caught. When I, one of the articles I read talked about the people that like steal them off the trees or, or from farms. And it, like, it's just a perfect crime. Like, they're not, there's not surveillance. You can go in. You don't need equipment. Right. You know. It's... So that's oranges in Florida. Oh. My sister-in-law and her family have at various points in time and some of them still do live um sort of near orlando and so orange is big deal mm-hmm. um but the difference is florida part of the south so you don't do that because you're gonna get shot yeah. yeah so but that really is the only deterrent because there's no there's no point in putting up a fence there's no point in there's no surveillance like the right. people who are growing oranges are not making anything on the oranges yeah so Yep, they just might shoot you. So that's the risk that you have to choose to take or not take. I feel like I'd stay the hell out of there. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Although, as you're driving down the road and you see all these orange trees, it is really tempting to be like, I don't want to steal your orange. I just want to have eaten an orange that I just picked off the tree. Yep. So, like, can we pull over? No, now I'm not getting shot over an orange. I don't even like oranges. <laughs> no. When my grandparents retired to... Uh, Phoenix, their across-the-street neighbor had a grapefruit tree. Mm. And I always thought I didn't like grapefruit. And then I had one off their grapefruit tree. And it yeah. turns out they're amazing. Yeah. But yeah, I never had anything other than, you know, a grocery store grapefruit. And not only a grocery store grapefruit, a grocery store grapefruit in the Midwest. Right. Which, and this is still, you know, 15, 20 years ago, shipping wasn't what it is now. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, so I actually have an interesting story about fruit trees. Okay. So we'll sort of, (laughs) um, some trees, some fruit trees, like a peach tree is fragile and hard to grow. So instead of growing a whole peach tree to get peaches, they grow a plum tree, which is hardier, like a wild plum. Mm. And then they graft peach tree branches onto it and it produces peach fruit so growing up we had a peach tree and then there was a storm or something and some of the branches broke and the next year we had a plum tree wow 
Yeah. Because when it is producing peaches, the energy doesn't go toward, I guess it's... Oh, so it like suppresses the plums? Right. There are no plums. But then once the peach tree branches were killed off, then we had plums. Have you seen pictures of those um, fruits where they do that with, or trees where they do that with multiple fruits? Oh, and they grow all kinds yeah, of like things? Yeah, like the 20 fruit tree. and That's awesome. It's so it's cool It's a whole looking. fruit salad. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, I ran across something a while ago that there's a guy that like, that's kind of his thing is he grafts all these different kinds of trees together that's to see cool. how many fruits he can get. And the pictures that's are just cool. beautiful. My kids and I had a discussion the other day about fruits and where they all grow. They've gotten to the stage where anything that they eat they eat they say mm-hmm. what kind of animal does a tomato come from or what is a you know corn dog made of or whatever and um and it's really funny because they don't have a good concept of like meat comes from animals uh, a tomato isn't made up of anything it is just a tomato kind yeah. of thing. but we were talking about fruit and where it grew and i was trying to figure out how how to know where fruit grows if it grows mm-hmm. on a tree or a vine or we were doing fruits and vegetables so like carrots they had no clue those were roots and that was like mind-blowing <laughs> um but i think tree fruits tend to be round and hand-sized so that's what we went with mm-hmm. so they were pretty good about it until we got to um oh what was it Oh, I can't remember what it was. They they had one and they were like, oh, well, then surely a, you know, onion or something yeah. like that. Grows. No, not so much. Okay. I found a flaw in my. <laughs> <laughs> I learned um, my parents discovered Hawaii a few years ago. Discovered it? Yeah. They went for the first time and discovered oh. it was amazing. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> We've known about Hawaii for a while, Diana. I don't think your parents discovered it. Gotcha. No, no, no. They did not <laughs> discover it, but they discovered it was awesome. My mom hates flying. They somehow talked her into going and... Worth it. She hates flying. They've been back at least once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, she loved it. But they went to the Dole Plantation. Uh-huh. Okay, so we learned two things when they went to the Dole Plantation. I was not on this trip. Number one, do you know what the difference between a plantation and a farm is? Trees? No. No. House? No, I don't know. No. Um, A plantation only grows one crop for sale. Oh. Whereas a farm will grow many crops for sale. So a plantation might have like a kitchen garden that they use to, right. to feed themselves, but they are only growing one crop, peanuts, tobacco, whatever, for sale. Okay. Farm will do whatever. So A, we learned why it's called a plantation. Cool. Which is interesting because when we used to go on road trips and I was a kid, one of the things that we liked to do was go through old plantation houses, which now you know where my old house obsession comes from. Right, right. And never did we ever <laughs> learn why they were called plantations. Plantations. Interesting. We just kind of thought they were southern farms. Yeah. Um, so we learned about that. And then the other thing that they learned that uh, I think my mom actually called me from Hawaii to tell me this because it blew everybody's mind. Pineapples grow on very short bushes kind of on the ground yes i did not know that yeah they grew in trees right like (laughs) like coconuts 
Like that's right. that's where they should be. No, I right next to the coconut. Even <laughs> I feel like I've maybe seen a pineapple farm and/or a plantation and seen pictures of it. Yeah. in one of those like, bet you didn't know this is where that came from. Right, I had not. They sent me pictures. I'm like, that's just you fucking made that up. Like, right, <laughs> those are babies. That's not real. Right, no. <laughs> so yeah, that's funny. Um, what I know about Hawaii, I have never been, but my sister's gone a couple times with her her husband's family. I think goes. Mm is that because of their weather and whatever else, there are lots and lots of feral chickens. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. There are in Mexico, which I found out the first night I ever stayed in Mexico. <laughs> yeah. I mean, once they escape, it's not like anyone's going to round them up. Well, I also learned that roosters uh, do not crow at dawn. They crow whenever they want to. All day, all, all night. night. Yes, they do. And they are mean. We, like, seriously, fuck you up mean. We didn't actually interface with the roosters, but we got to, it was traveling with a friend and went to a place that is now apparently very touristy, but wasn't back when we went. Uh-huh. And it was like a $25 a night hotel on an island in Mexico. And we checked in our room and it was late, like we'd flown into Cancun and we'd take mm-hmm. a boat and we're tired. And it was also the winter, so there was a literal 100 degree temperature difference between oh. Minnesota and Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we got there and we're finally there and we're like, oh my God, like we just fell into bed, we're exhausted. And then the fucking rooster started up next yep. door. It's awful. Yep. We didn't sleep the whole time there. Yeah. So the ones, at least wherever they have gone, I'm not exactly sure where they went, but um, there's there's enough tourism and enough people that the roosters are not violent because there are all mm. these videos of my nephew trying to catch them. He <laughs> loves to catch chickens and roosters and all that good stuff. Hug me. Hug me, Pretty chicken. much. Chickens can be very, very affectionate. The Or hen, like hens. Mm. Um, a lot of them, if they have been around people and raised by like you know, like a backyard chicken kind of, they love to be snuggled. They love to be held. They love to be petted. <laughs> very nice. So cute. Right? I think Mirabelle is that way too, because she has a couple of times now climbed into my hand. Aww. Right? I think she so likes it. Cute. I'm so excited she's in the skull right now. Erin <laughs> just paused to look lovingly over at Mirabelle. I did. And I have to pause because otherwise my mouth isn't in the right place for the microphone. That's all right. I can't actually see her, but I'm just imagining where she might be. Her tail was hanging out of the skull earlier. I'm pretty happy. Yeah. When she goes in and out of its mouth, creepy as anything. <laughs> yes. Yep. Looks like it's swallowing a snake. So, Erin. Yes. Do you have a story for me? I do. Let's take a quick break. At the Targeted Podcast, we tell stories of women, men, and children who were targeted by domestic abuse. Some survive. He saw I was no longer playing with them. That's when all hell broke loose. Some die. He carved out a life for himself. It was a life that came to an untimely end. None will ever be the same. She repeatedly asked for help for domestic abuse and found very little. We investigate cases of family violence using academic research to help us interpret the events. I'm a college professor, and I think we need to stop making family violence a secret. It's time to tell our stories, use our experiences to help, to heal, and provoke change. 
You can find targeted true crime domestic violence on iTunes, Google Play, and all the major podcast platforms. I'm Mo Blackwell, the host of Targeted. Peace, my friends. Peace. All right, so I have a story for you. Okay. But it's, I mean, it's my story. I'm going to tell it, but it is not my story. I did not um, even, like, find it on my own. So we have a fan who some time ago. I know. We have a fan. No. Some time ago, some time ago being like an embarrassingly long time ago, and I have not followed up very well, uh, sent us some stories. And um, because of her role with the legal system, and I don't know, like, how much of that I can share. So I'll just say she is involved with some part of the legal system and sent us some really interesting stories that either she had been part of, um, like had worked on those cases or somebody that she works closely with had worked on them or her department had. And so she had, you know, a little bit more insight and that kind of thing. So are you saying that she does know something about our legal system? She does know something about our legal system. Is this going to fuck up the whole message of our show? No, it's going to be just fine because I still don't. In fact, (laughs) that is going to be one of the, one of the things that's going on here because the thing I was going to say as my, what I learned this week, but then, failed to actually get around to learning it um comes up in the story so so shout out for sending us stories and sorry it took me like a year to get back to it and i have been ignoring all new messages (laughs) i know i was like don't if you see don't talk don't read don't look (laughs) if you're gonna check the email don't don't Don't. on any of that (laughs) don't look so um so here is one of the stories and i've done some additional research and added some things but this is totally kudos to her also, love having other people do my research for me. So if anybody else has any stories, like, feel free. Feel free, feel free to send Diana some love. Right? <laughs> she actually sent us a bunch of stories that were all very interesting. And one of the stories that she sent, I think we covered part of in one of our episodes just accidentally. Oh, funny. So, um, so yeah, there are a bunch of stories. I may have to go back and look at some of the other ones. But this was one that I was like, okay, I'm going to do this one. So, my story is about James E. Cook Jr. Like Captain Cook? Uh, Well, Cook with an E. Captain Cook. Captain Cook, James Cook. Oh, 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 oh. I was thinking like Captain Crunch or Captain Hook. I'm thinking like, like, are you messing it up? I don't. Okay, guys, it is now midnight. Uh... It is only 11.58. Mm-hmm. That's Captain James Cook was a British explorer, navigator, cartographer, and captain in the Royal Navy. This guy certainly was not. He, um, I think, explored part of Hawaii, if memory serves. Different Cook. Different Cook. <laughs> this one was born December 2nd, 1970. Different Cook. <laughs> Different Cook. Uh, lived in Salem, New Jersey, um, and there he had a shit childhood. Mm. so one of the things that happened to him and I didn't actually find a ton of information about his childhood there was quite a bit on his crimes and like uh he was in like murderpedia and some other so I there was Mm. there was quite a bit on that but not very much about him um but one of the things that was done to him that is important to the story is that when he was a toddler his mother's boyfriend got mad at him or something mm-hmm. and burned the bottoms of his feet with hot water. So like oh. stood him in hot water or like poured water on his feet or something. Oh. And as a result, 
he walked funny because it was very painful and like totally sure. scalded the bottoms of his feet. And he retained that unusual sort of tiptoe walk his entire life. Huh. So becomes yeah. important later. I can see that. Starting in young adulthood, it was clear he was not going to become anything great. Um, in New Jersey, he was arrested for theft, resisting arrest, riding in a stolen vehicle, drug possession, drugs on campus. Then he moved to Delaware because New Jersey wasn't going so well mm. and moved in with his girlfriend and four of his 10 children. Whoa. How old is he at this point? Um, Young adult. Let's see. He is no older than 30, like 30. Oh, my God. Yeah. So many children. So many children. But if you're a guy... You could have as I know many children as you want, all at the same time. Uh, but how do you pick which four to live with? Because they were her four. Also, she was pregnant so with number children. eleven. It is true. There's some guy hatred going on here. I really don't hate guys. I no. hate this guy, but you know, I just <laughs> I. Ew. If Jeff had gone out and knocked somebody else up while I was pregnant, like I'd be really mad about it. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. I think that's it's reasonable. I mean, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's reasonable. Yeah. Uh, so April 27th, 2005, Cook broke into the apartment of Cheryl Harmon. Um, she lived right across the alley from Cook's house or apartment. And so a neighbor, essentially, he stole some jewelry, um, a couple of rings, both of which had her name engraved on them. So eventually when they get recovered, like pretty easy to prove. Yeah. Uh, Three days later, he broke into the home of Amalia. Oh, God. (laughs) Yes. Quadra. C-U-A-D-R-A. Oh, I don't know how to approach that at all. I know, right? I looked at it and I was like, oh, I can say that's only six letters. <laughs> it could be like Amalia, too. I don't really know how to say this poor person's name. Anyway, she was asleep. Uh, he woke her up and threatened to kill her if she didn't give him money and credit cards, which she did because, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. those things are not important. Duh. But then he demanded that she take off all of her clothes and... Instead of taking off her clothes, she started to yell, Christina, Christina, which was her roommate's name. Mm -hmm. So he thought Christina might be in the house. And so he got scared and ran away. She, I don't believe she was home at the time. But when he left, he grabbed her book bag on the way out, which also happened to have her ATM card. Yet another thing that had a name on it. Very easy to identify. So this dude, not brilliant. No. No. Mm. Um, and then it had other other things in it as well. And so he basically like just grabbed and ran. Yeah. So later that same morning, because we have established he's a genius, mm-hmm. he tried to use the ATM card that was in the book bag that he stole. <sighs> so then he is uh, now on camera. Plus, mm-hmm. he didn't do anything to her to prevent her from like going to the police. So it's already been reported. Yeah. Card, card dead. <laughs> yeah. Canceled, yeah. All gone. Not going to work. And we were looking out for it. Also, did he have the pin? 
I know I have trouble getting my own ATM. Like this is like the fire <laughs> thing. I realize I am not a good adult here, but I, I learned with a pin. Um, when I get stressed out, I forget things. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I was, it was a big event. The next day I went to the cash machine to get cash. Mm-hmm. I had known my pin when I got cash, like two days before it was some variation on my house numbers, which was um, a coincidence. Like, that's not how I set it up. It's oh, just right, the, the right. one that came with the bank, and I kept it. I have never remembered it. Oh, no. It's gone forever. I mean, I, I don't even bank at that bank anymore. It was right. a long time ago. But, yeah, I'm at the cash machine. I had somebody else in the car with me. I'm like, ah, uh, I got nothing. Yeah. I know what for, like, I know at least what three of the numbers are. I don't know what, like, nothing. Right. Gone. Never came back. Wow. That, that part of my brain just... Gone. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the next day, because they did not arrest him. I, they didn't catch him trying to use the ATM card. Uh, so the next... They knew where he was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but even so, like, unless you had somebody right there, I, I imagine it didn't take him very long to discover he couldn't get money. I suppose. So. In and out. So the very next day, May 1st, 2005, a fire breaks out at a house um, or a a residence in the town court apartments, and they determine that it is arson. And so the arson investigators are there, the police are there. Maybe there's an arson dog, who knows? I didn't even know that existed. Um, And as they are going through everything, uh, the arson investigator discovers, so the the walls and everything like it was a it was a bad fire so things had collapsed there was debris everywhere there was all this debris in the bathroom that had like fallen on top of the tub and mm. as they removed it they found a body oh. in the tub and the body was a university of delaware student named lindsay bonestall who was 20 years old oh. and they determined that the arson got in through her sliding glass door was able to either break in or it wasn't latched or something. I, sliding glass doors make me really nervous because I know we're sitting in a room <laughs> with one. But the latch, like, first of all, it's a big pane of glass. glass yeah. and it's pretty easy to get through. And also the latches are not terribly like anything. They're very temporary seeming. Yeah. Like you need one more layer of door. My parents have a sliding glass door that they keep like a holes the wrong word yes like like a broom handle right yeah still a giant pane of glass it is it is (laughs) i might not be able to slide it open but i can still get there i can still smash it right i guess the only good thing about if you have to smash it is that's gonna probably alert people in the house that you're coming in um not gonna help us if there are zombies at all like if there are zombies at this house we're all dying I mean, I'm going to die anyway because I'm going to give myself up. But right, yeah, no. we're all dying. Yeah. So he got in through the sliding glass door, whatever method. He gagged her. He raped her. He strangled her to death uh. with her own T-shirt. Oh. Then he put her body in the bathtub of the apartment. Um, then, in order to try to throw off detectives who would later be investigating this murder that he had just committed, he uh, took... I, I don't know what he used. It was um, a blue marker of some sort, like a blue Sharpie. And he scrawled white supremacist graffiti on the walls of the apartment so that it would look like some, you know, white supremacist KKK group came in. Actually, what he wrote was KKK in blue markers. Um, and and 
murdered Lindsay for some reason. Had so, he recently read Helter Skelter? I, mm-hmm, I don't. I mean, he is not brilliant. Well, and was she, like, non-white? I, you know, I didn't actually look it up. I just sort of assumed that was the case because how else would that make sense? Well, right. Or, like, maybe dating someone who wasn't or something. Right, yeah. Because, yeah, no, otherwise that would be very... I just assumed that was the case. Maybe not. Knowing him, maybe not. Yeah, maybe. Just, he was just like, hmm, who can I blame for this? Uh, KKK does bad shit. I'm going to write KKK on the wall like they were here. They also burn things. They also Seems burn legit. things. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so at this point, the police and the family establish a reward to help find the responsible party for for this. Because it's getting it's getting, you know... Three break-ins in, what, four days? And now we've escalated to murder. Like, it went from I stole a couple of rings Mm. to I tried to rape someone to I've killed someone in four days. Right. So they establish the tip line. (laughs) Cook himself called the tip line. He said, so... I don't actually, I'm just making this up. <laughs> the gist of it was, I, I don't know anything about the murder. I can't tell you who I am, but uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that both this murder and the previous burglary were the work of a white supremacist drug gang. But in the call, because that's not stupid enough on its own, he said the thing about the white supremacist drug gang which i feel like that in itself would have been enough of a giveaway because surely they didn't go in there and go huh maybe it was the kkk (laughs) (laughs) it's probably nobody's first thought no they're like uh yeah that's a really lame attempt at a cover-up but then you know he had to he had to reinforce it right but then he also did other two other stupid things he used Harmon's name the burglary where he tried to rape her and didn't Mm. um and said the name christina the name that she called out which at that point, neither of those had been made public. So the only people who could have possibly known. Yeah. So that also did not manage to get him caught. They knew that he was the one who had called and that he was most certainly guilty, but they didn't actually manage to, to get him. But later that Is this month. the fucking hot dog squad? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, unless he just... I don't know. They didn't trace it fast enough. Mm. I have no idea why we can't catch him. But in later in May, so same month, Mm. an employee from the local Payless shoe store called the tip line and said, um, so that dude works at a Payless store. He had worked at the Payless store is actually more accurate because after so they had some surveillance of him from like the atm and mm. some other and so they had video of him walking okay and they uh, also had stills that they had posted and the payless shoe stores since they were in the area mm. posted these in their stores like have you seen me kind of things especially yeah. once the reward was a, a thing he uh didn't show up to work after that anymore because it was him in the picture so he couldn't huh. go yeah. right that didn't actually tip anybody off what it was was she recognized him because of the way he walked, because he had that tiptoe thing from his feet being burned. So on June 7th, 2005, they finally caught up with him and they arrested him. (laughs) 
And in 2007, they got around to the trial because that takes forever. Uh, And the defense argued a couple of things. One, that there were some search warrant deficiencies because he lived with his girlfriend and the kids when they uh, the way that I understood it was when they got there, he was not there when they searched the house. Mm-hmm. They found some evidence there that really their whole case was like, this is really good evidence, like the ATM and right. the rings and the, all of that stuff. And she allowed them to take it. No problem. Sure. But they had already removed it from the house before they asked her permission. So the defense argued that it was an illegal seizure because they removed items from the house without a warrant allowing them to do it. Like they had a warrant to search, but not to remove whatever. Right. And without getting permission. So that didn't count. <sighs> That's... <sighs> right. Also, the defense argued that Cook had some sort of mental illness or something that made him unable to be charged, unable to provide his own defense, whatever. And so he should be released or, or at least like, you know, sent to a hospital, whatever. Okay. Cook was not on board with that <laughs> at all. So he spent most of his time in a holding cell instead of in the courtroom because he just couldn't keep from shouting at everybody. The judge is unfair. I'm being framed by the police. The defense says that I'm crazy. I'm not crazy. And at one point, he had to be wrestled to the floor by bailiffs and carried off to a holding cell. Wow. Mm -hmm. His defense was that the, the victim that died, that he had been in her apartment, They'd had consensual sex. Mm. He left. He didn't know what happened after that. <sighs> so he's convicted. Good. June 6th. So June 6th, 2007. So two years after his arrest, sentenced to death. In 2012, his conviction was reversed by an appeals court. What? And he was retried. Mostly it sounded like on the grounds of he didn't agree with the defense, with the mental illness defense that his, that he had requested to represent himself okay, and had been denied. Yeah. And he didn't want the mental defect or illness defense. Okay. And it had been done anyway. And so they gave him another shot and convicted him immediately. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sentenced to death again. It says... I have to read the statement of like what his sentence was because there maybe there was something about it that struck me as like a bizarre way to say this. So, but I guess this is how it goes because I know nothing about the legal system. (laughs) James E. Cook, in accordance with the law of the state of Delaware, it is the sentence of the court that you be kept in the custody of the Department of Corrections until such time that you shall be injected intravenously with a substance or substances in a lethal quantity sufficient to cause death until you are dead. Wow. A lawyer wrote that. Oh, 100%. (laughs) I think it's the cause death until you're dead. And I was like, I'm going to have to say that. But that's a different (laughs) phrase. Substances in the amount required to cause death until death. Yeah. No, it's true. I feel like it all needs to be in there. But it sounds really weird. Right, yeah. I feel like there could be better phrasing. 
So at the second trial where he was again convicted and sentenced to death, he did represent himself, but he was sent out of court because he repeatedly ignored the judge's orders for any sort of like court decorum and and Uh. policy and process. And so he had a standby defense counsel because you always have like somebody there to advise you and they had to take over. So his execution date was set for December 4th, 2014. And because it was a death sentence, all of those cases are automatically appealed. But then in August of 2016, um, they so he had still not been put to death because of the whole appeals process. Delaware found the death penalty to be death penalty to be unconstitutional, mm-hmm. and the ruling was appro- applied retroactively. Um, at the time, I think there were like nine or fourteen people or something in Delaware on death row, so they mm-hmm. all were commuted to life. Life. Um. What I don't know that I wanted to look up is, does that require an actual court appearance or is it just an automatic like, and I suspect it requires an actual court appearance and maybe not one where the prisoner has to attend because a lot of times, like when we got custody of our daughter, like her mom was not invited to attend. Like Mm -hmm. it was, that was too much work to get her there. So she just sent a lawyer in her place. But I feel like it probably does require like, an actual court, a resentencing. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the courts are nothing if not bureaucratic. Right. You know, I'm sure there's a, a lot of stuff that has to be done in order, like like you and I as lay people are like, just commute it. Well, I mean, right. There's a lot to that. Right, like, okay, well, you can't have that, so the next step down, that's what you get. Right. Done. Right. So... Either way. So the family of the girl who was murdered um, will not say the defendant's name, will not say James Cook. And so in any interviews that they've done, anytime they've talked with like the DA and all of that, they refer to him as the individual or the defendant to this day. Wow. Which is super sad. But at the same time, like, I don't know. They've made it a, a curse word and they, they won't utter it. Well, it gives them power. Yeah. I don't. Call my ex by his name. Right, right. No, I, yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. a good way to take whatever little, yep. little thing you can. Yep. So, I am not a fan of the death penalty. I think it is a bad thing. I am not sorry that that happened, but I am sorry for the family who thought there was going to be an end, and now he's still there and yeah. will always still be there. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I've never been in a situation like that, but... I'm also not okay with the death penalty. It mm-hmm. should be abolished. It's terrible. It is oh, barbaric. 100%. It is it is all sorts of awful. But I don't know that it would make me feel any better. I don't either, but I think it's like we talked about with your story last time. Not last time. One time. It reminds me kind of of the story where the with the crocagator and the Oh yeah. And she wanted him declared dead and we kind of talked about like she could have said let's keep searching and she didn't and was that suspicious or was that just like I need this to be over and I feel like even if you didn't love the death penalty even if you knew that that wasn't going to make things better or Mm -hmm. fair or right or even that still would be the end 
and then you don't have to think about you don't ever have to wonder like what is he doing is he you know are things okay for him did somebody put money on his commissary is he having you know because it would just be over because she's still dead well no i know It, it doesn't it wouldn't fix it but it would be like a kind of closure yeah. that then they thought they had and then it got taken away. Yeah. Not often you get to escape the death penalty twice. Right? <laughs> really? Yeah. Yep. So that is my story. I just loved how so, so stupid he was. And her email, she gave a little bit more detail and um, we didn't get a chance to talk very much about it. And so like, I don't want to overshare anything, but basically said that it was just absolutely heartbreaking like the families were so wonderful and such lovely people and like you know like like i'm sure everything is like they're good (laughs) they're good people and then this this idiot with no purpose no point and no relation no relation right and for nothing for like because he didn't he wasn't any good at robbery (sighs) so I like stories that my two favorite kinds of crime stories are really bizarre and probably super gory mm-hmm. or stories that like, I feel like I have some sort of t- tangential connection yep. to because <laughs> yep. I feel like those are so much more meaningful. They are. Even though, I mean, everybody, everybody's story is super meaningful, but it's true. Ooh, I have an update about something we talked about a few weeks ago. I am ready. So a few weeks ago, we talked about that I'm getting mail yes. for a person that I think is fraudulent. Well, I mean, it's definitely fraudulent, right? Well, I mean, yeah, there's, there's only stuff going on that's, that's fraudulent. But my husband today said to me, I got a notification from next door. Mm-hmm. Did you get a notification for Nextdoor? And we're talking about the app. The app. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, full disclosure, I have turned notifications off because I have noticed it is mostly just racism. Oh. Oh, my I, God. I had it where we used to live, and it was mostly, like, yard sales and stupid stuff like that. See, that's stuff I would like to know about. But yeah, but... Uh, the random racism, I don't need to see. I had apparently, at some point, set up next door on his phone. Nice. <laughs> and nice. did not turn off the notifications. <laughs> <laughs> He's been getting them going, God, I hate this. I guess my wife likes it, but I just hate this. <laughs> he, probably, he honestly probably doesn't even see them. If he's right. not looking at his phone, he does not even know they're there. He does not check his notifications. Oh my God, that drives me nuts. I need to make the numbers go away. Uh, yes. Yep. I don't even care if I read it. I just need to click on it. So it's no longer bold and the numbers yes. go away. Does not bother him. He has something like a thousand unread emails. It oh, makes that me makes crazy me twitch. Every time I look at his phone. <laughs> but anyway, so he gets this notification that the uh, Roseville police where I live have caught people stealing mail out of other people's mailboxes in my neighborhood. At which point Diana's ears perk up. Right. So, of course, my first thought was, well, I'm going to call the, I'm going to call the police department and, and remind them of the, because they didn't yeah. take a report or do anything. No. Like, there was nothing when I called them. Um, to which my husband was like, you are taking this too far. And I went upstairs with my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I support you, Diana. Get involved with the police. Yeah. So I actually read the, the press release that they had submitted. The police department actually sent it to next door. And I read it on the right. website. And... Now I'm starting to wonder if maybe I have unfairly maligned this woman <laughs> whose oh. mother owned the house that I live in now. Oh. 
because we had talked a little bit before about like, are they stealing the mail? Are they, you know, doing yeah. this to set up residency? And now I'm wondering if somebody stole our mail, because we live on a fairly major street. Yeah. I know there have been mailbox problems because across the street and down a couple blocks, there are three brand new mailboxes that are all identical. So like the neighbors went in together because somebody oh. took a baseball bat to a bunch of it. Yeah. I assumed a baseball bat. I don't know. They took mine out too. But mine regularly gets taken out, so I don't think too much about it. <laughs> it's not because people don't like Diana. It's because her mailbox is in an inconvenient place. It is in an inconvenient place. It is on the street. It is on a main street. It gets taken out by the snowplow and the mail truck and the garbage truck. Right. <laughs> and right. all sorts of stuff. It's because Diana's the worst kind of neighbor and all the teenagers hate her. I don't think all the teenagers know about us. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so now I am wondering, did somebody come through, steal my mail? Because again... Main Street could yeah. live there, you know, whatever. And there are also not a lot of, like, where my mailbox is and the way my house is situated. You could easily get into my mailbox and nobody will see. Right. Like, there aren't houses across the street. There's, like, right. there's really nobody around. Um, Did they take a bunch of mail? It was addressed to this other woman, like, junk mail. Right. Because we all know that's, like, she's going to get catalogs to my house until we are all dead and gone. Yeah. Um. And set up, like, the car registration, the voter registration with that name, thinking that person lives there, which they, they don't and never have. stole an identity of someone. The wrong identity. Right. <laughs> because, like I was telling you this morning, we don't actually get a lot of, like, real mail. No. I've gone paperless with, I, like, I've things are yeah. on auto pay. We mostly just get garbage and stuff that's not for us. <laughs> right. And Amazon packages are always left on the porch, so not in the mailbox. <laughs> or in the middle of the driveway or in the front door, occasionally under the grill. Awesome. <sighs> I love the pictures. It's always an adventure. Where they like try to camouflage things, but in really ridiculous play- like ways, like the giant oh. box under the mat. Or oh there's God, they've never done that. That's awesome. Um, well, I mean, they haven't ever done it to me, but they they're always like on yeah. listicles and whatever else. Um, my favorite one is there was a porch swing that had uh, like pillows, uh-huh. and their package was a similar shape and size. <laughs> so they set it up. It wasn't the same color, so it was like their pillow was green, then the Amazon package, then the other pillow. So it looked oh, like that's <laughs> funny. Oh my gosh, they took some time there. Right. That's what I would. That would be how I would survive if I delivered package oh, like yeah. what can i do at this house <laughs> yep oh that's funny so yeah more to come um i haven't called the police yet because dear god i was on the phone all day uh yeah also it's 12 30 and you haven't been home it is 12 30 the next day i was home all day <laughs> okay you haven't been home and not working right yeah, yeah yeah so i'll call the police and just remind them that there was some male weirdness at my house but right now i'm wondering if i was maybe a little harsh on on that one Maybe not. Maybe she's still a criminal pain in the ass. Well, okay, but she, at the very least, has sent mail to your house under her name, and she's never lived there. So she's at least inconvenient. Yeah, but I also, my sister hasn't lived with my parents for like four years, still has all of her mail sent to their house. Yeah. She did at least live there. Right. (laughs) This lady never lived there. Yeah. Or or very casually many years ago lived there. Right. I'm just trying to make you look good in some way, shape, or form. It's so hard to do. I'm I'm trying to be supportive. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Diana, it is so far past my bedtime, so I think we need to talk about 
amazing people <gasps> and cool things happening and all of that. All right. You ready? I am so ready. Let's do this. Crime Crazy is sponsored by M. Gilliam and Elizabeth Wilder. Woohoo! Who is currently in Ireland. And Diana is so jealous, I can see her drooling. I don't want to do it on the electronics. That seems like it would be bad. I, I, Mike was not cheap. So. All right, I'll stop drooling on it. Okay. It is the one you have to use, though. So. I don't want to be with my own drool. <laughs> <laughs> Show sponsors support Crime Crazy through Patreon at the $10 per month level or above. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. If you'd like to support Crime Crazy, please check out our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash crimecrazypod or just search for Crime Crazy Podcast. All patrons get a monthly shout out on the show. It's true. And all of our tiers are ridiculously adorable and clever. And you should at least go look. Yes. Because they're because I put a lot of work into that. They're, they're very <laughs> cute. Go check them out. If you would like to receive a shout out for anything other than donating to our Patreon, please rate and review us on iTunes or your podcast catcher of choice. We give shout outs for all reviews. But we like the five star ones the best. Yes, we do. You can follow Crime Crazy on Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash crime crazy pod. From there, catch up on the conversation by joining one of two of the Crime Crazy groups. We have both a public group and a private group if you don't want everybody to know all the creepy stuff that you love. Or you can join them both. Yeah. I'm in both of them. Are you in both of them? I am in both of them. <laughs> it would be really silly if we weren't. <laughs> it would divide and conquer. <laughs> <laughs> I only do public crimes. Oh, I only do private crimes. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at CrimeCrazyPod. You can follow us on Instagram at CrimeCrazyPod. You can visit our website at crimecrazypodcast.com or email us at crimecrazypodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You're at Aaron Plyme. And I'm at Diana underscore Seacon. You can follow us on Instagram. You're at E Plyme. And I'm at Classy underscore broad underscore MSP again, because I've not changed it yet. I'm telling you guys, it's never gonna happen. It almost happened the other day and then I got distracted. Mm, never never gonna happen it's gonna happen i'm gonna go um, home and do it now with all our social media guys if you don't follow us you need to start because diana has been doing a an incredible kick-ass job with posting updates and facts and like further reading and photos and just all kinds of things about pretty much every single thing we talk about and it's amazing i'm learning things and like it's my podcast and my story. I should <laughs> know these things. But there's so much cool stuff. Plus a gazillion pictures of pangolins. Yes. They're so cute. Winning. Hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> I think it goes the other way around. I mean, I know you're really old and this is really hard for you. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> I hashtag all of our things. I You do. No, you're, you're amazing and you're not really old. It's just that. I can now say I'm not the old one. <laughs> and I, I have to at every every opportunity. It's true. So sorry, you knew when you signed up. It's you true. knew. I did. I knew what I was getting into. Yep. I didn't know I was getting into a twelve thirty seven AM on a Wednesday night podcasting session. So you know what the best part about being up past midnight is? What? I've already met my stand goal 
uh, for this hour. So when I wake up in the morning, <laughs> you're in my head. <laughs> <laughs> so Diana, do you have any words of wisdom to leave us with this week? I do. I'm ready. Don't steal avocados. No. Even though avocado thieves might be able to make more money than someone like me who has a really nice desk job. The risk is high. It's true. I go to work every day. I am very rarely concerned that anything I do in the course of my employment is going to land me in county jail for two years with an additional 18 months on probation. Very rarely, you say. So don't do it. Don't do it for the fame. No. Don't do it for the sweet-ass podcast shout-out. No. Because I don't know how many more stories about avocados we can actually do on this show. No, it's true. What if we're doing it for the avocado goodness? Well, that's different. Okay. I don't know how, though. (laughs) (laughs) That might be worth it. Can you imagine trying to eat $300,000 worth of avocados? Says the woman who wanted 50 grand worth of meat or something like that. I I stand behind that. (laughs) I stand behind that. Call your people. Call your people. And don't end up on next week's episode.